Halloween. Mystery lurks around every corner. Bundle up with Disney Plus and Hulu. What are you scared of? The dark. It's spine-tingling fun on Disney Plus with Haunted Mansion and Goosebumps. I'm going to need you to spread the word. Then feel the bone-chilling terror on Hulu with the Boogeyman and American Horror Story Delegate. Something's happening to me. The Disney Bundle with Hulu and Disney Plus. All of these and more streaming this month. Plans starting at $9.99 a month. 18 plus only. Access content from each service separately. Offer valid for eligible subscribers only. Terms apply. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card. It gives you unlimited daily cash back that can earn 4.15% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account. A high yield, low effort way to grow your money with no fees. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone to start earning and growing your daily cash with savings today. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings is available to Apple Card owners. Subject to eligibility. Savings accounts by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Welcome to the Shark City Podcast. I am Aaron James. Evander Kane is no longer San Jose Shark as he was released due to a breach of contract by the San Jose Sharks. Uh, if you tuned into the last episode, we had the breaking news. And if you didn't, we're just going to review it one more time to catch you up, bring you up to speed here. Evander Kane was informed by the San Jose Sharks that he was going to be placed on waivers. This happened Saturday morning for the purpose of a contract termination. Uh, specifically breaking AHL rules, traveling home to Vancouver in November while he was still in league protocols. Evander Kane was on waivers for 24 hours. Uh, he remained unclaimed. And now he is available to speak to other teams, which reports today have been more than um, specific on exactly who he's talking to. It looks like Evander Kane will be traveling up north. Um, it seems as if Toronto and the um, Edmonton cities, their hockey clubs are interested in Evander Kane's services. So uh, it was rumored just yesterday that Evander Kane that there was some interest from the Maple Leafs. This rumor stemmed from a reporter out of the Toronto Sun. And then today, the general manager of the Edmonton Oilers went on record and says that he believes in second chances. So <clears throat> it was expected that a deal would have been inked and done today for Vander Kane with the Edmonton Oilers. However, the most recent um, update in regards to Evander Kane's free agency status comes from his agent saying that the salaries and the contracts are not quite there yet from any team and that they expect to have a deal done by the weekend that they are currently in the process of interviewing teams. So, um, so it's legitimate. It's real. Evander Kane is going to be in the NHL, and I would be shocked to see um, him not in an NHL practice jersey by next week. That's just the facts. Um, Evander Kane is obviously filing a grievance. Uh, his representatives and the National Hockey League's Player Association, the Union for uh, Professional Hockey Players in the NHL, are filing grievances. It sounds like sharks. They believe that they do not have grounds on terminating his contract. So essentially, this is all going to come down to whether or not Evander Kane is going to lose his remaining salary of about twenty-two point nine million. Evander Kane had about three years left on his deal. He was inked until twenty twenty-five, making about seven million dollars a year in San Jose. 
So obviously he's interested in not losing any of that salary. As for the San Jose Sharks, their organization, of course, during a time where they're rebuilding and they are evaluating almost every contract. We'll get into that later on in the show. Um, but essentially, you know, not to, to say, you know, this is foul play, like we're going to take advantage of some like um, loophole or whatever, or, you know what I'm saying, or, you know, didn't read, they're taking advantage of the fine print. All I'm just saying is this, that Evander Kane, um, his release from the Sharks is unlike Martin Jones, as I just mentioned, he has opportunity of losing out the $22.9 million, whereas the Sharks are still paying Jones because they bought him out. This um, placement on unconditional waivers was for the contract termination, meaning no cash. Like, we're going to pretty much say breach of contract, so we don't owe you a dime. So that's going to be very interesting to see because essentially... The, the San Jose Sharks are going to either have about $24 million of free cap space or they're going to have $24 million or whatever the settlement may be during the arbitration process of dead salary cap space to stack up there with Martin Jones. Um, so we'll see where this all goes down. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see if Vander Kane does sign with potentially a team that the Sharks could potentially face in the playoffs, assuming that they clinch a playoff berth. Um, San Jose Sharks are currently in the process of chasing one of the final two wildcard spots in the Western Conference. If the season was to end today, I think the Sharks may barely squeak in their last spot. Um so definitely going to be interested in seeing this homestand. Sounds like Sharks have five of the next six games at the Shark Tank. Uh, the only game that they're playing on the road is in Seattle. So that's going to be awesome as well. Um, this brand new rivalry. Obviously one game isn't going to do it. But now we are going into Kraken's territory. And uh, you know we're going to go swim in their pond. And yeah, it's going to be uh, pretty... Pretty interesting to see the first game of uh, San Jose Sharks at Seattle Kraken in um, both franchise histories for both clubs. Um, so let's review how we got here today. The uh, Philadelphia game that featured that was supposed to be, you know, the Martin Jones revenge tour fell short. Um, <clears throat> Martin Jones did a spectacular job, but Aiden Hill essentially, uh, you know, saves the day, pun intended. Uh, the game against Philadelphia Flyers was pretty quiet for the first two periods. There was plenty of shots on goal and uh, two penalties, one for each team. And, you know, essentially what ended up going on is a race for the hat trick. So the Flyers forward James Van Rijmstijk scored two goals with like five minutes um, apart, you know, giving, give or take some change. And then Tomas Hurdle said, whatever you can do, I can do better and scores the Sharks franchise eighth natural hat trick in team history. Um, so f for some of you out there who may have not been accustomed to natural hat trick versus just regular hat trick, a hat trick is when a player school, uh, excuse me, when he scores three goals and a natural hat trick is when a player sco scores three consecutive goals. So hurdle hurdle. Yeah. Talk about tongue twister. So Hurdle uh, became the first player in since 98 
to score a natural hat trick that included the game winner in overtime. The last player to do so was some guy named Mario Lemieux. I'm not too sure if you heard of him. Uh, Hurdle was named one of the NHL's three stars of the week as well. So, you know, it's pretty solid um, performance uh, for a guy who's looking for a contract extension himself. Going to make some comments on that later on down the line um, of this show. So um, just to give you an idea of what we're about to get ourselves into right now, we're going to review the Philly game. Afterwards, we will speak about um, Tomas Hurdle and where he may find himself um, if he doesn't get re-signed in San Jose. So uh, buckle in. Uh, so Martin Jones kept the San Jose Sharks scoreless for about 48 minutes. Almost appeared as if the Sharks are about to be shut out. And then Hurdle, you know, saves the day with that um, hat trick, the natural hat trick of his. Uh, we'll start with the third period. So James Van Rijmsdyk scored two consecutive goals to begin the third and uh, the first one came via Pocek, um, not once but twice. Uh, he got past the Sharks and Aiden Hill's glove. So for those of you who were not too sure um, or who didn't get to actually see the, the highlights, if you're not too sure how that went down, essentially the Sharks were attacking in the Philly zone, and then uh, Van Rijmsdyk started his rush by getting the puck past Weatherby and his own teammate at the blue line. This is Philly's blue line. And then uh, Vlasic, you know, he got through Vlasic by the bench, uh, by the Sharks bench via poke check. And it was kind of like a self-inflicted wound because Vlasic tried to take a sweep at the puck, ultimately missing as Van Rijmsdijk beat him with the poke check. And, you know, he just left Aiden Hill to dry with Matt Nieto trying to play defense, you know, rushing, trying to get there. But it was too late. Van uh, Rijmsdijk had a clean one-on-one shot, took it into slot, and it was 1-0 Philly. Um, so I just want to comment on Vlasic on that one particular play because um, up until that point, Aiden Hill was actually pretty solid. Okay. So uh, there's another performance I want to get into a little bit later. But when, when you are like <laughs> – when you are already starting to skate backward from the opponent's blue line to your own blue line, and then you decide to stop at center ice to play the puck, um, you know you better be sure that that you, if if you're not going to play the puck, like make sure you're in, in a position to play the body. I mean, obviously he went for the puck, but you know he he missed, and he did it by just trying to swing his stick. Like if you look at if you just look at the uh, the replays or the highlights, you can see that like you know the. The uh, effic- the effectiveness of that, of that play was, like, statistically low. Like, it just didn't look like... I mean, you're literally... Um, you're literally putting the whole defense on, you know, whether or not you get your tape on that puck, the tape of your stick on that puck, and I think those chances are pretty slim. Um, again, I'm not, like, a you know, professional NHL uh, defender. But, yeah, I think Vlasic should have perhaps just kept continue to skating backwards and at least try to shut down the entry into zone rather than, you know, leave, you know, rather than bite, get beat and not just bite, but bite on like a low efficiency play. Um, and then, you know, just leave Aiden Hill to try to be, you know, um, the hero or whatever. Obviously that didn't work out. Uh, the other thing about the goal was, uh, I mentioned Nieto was skating backwards, trying to catch up, 
Uh, Nieto actually started to play defense because for some reason it was Vlasic and Nieto back there. <laughs> um, and and then, um, you know, Weatherby was, was exiting the zone as well. And there's just one moment where you could just see that Nieto and Weatherby, they kind of just stopped skating and they watched. And it was at the moment when Vlasic decided to, um, you know, bite and tried to play the puck and was beat. So, you know, you have three players there, three bad calls, you know, series of decisions that ultimately led to the first goal. So not really on Aiden Hill. Uh, he was left, you know, again, he was just left there to dry. Um, but, yeah, I guess what I'd like to say is on that particular goal, it would have been nice to see the team exercise some defensive awareness. If the defender is going to bite on the puck rather than stop skating and watch maybe continue to make your way toward the defense you know the, def- the defensive zone your own zone keep going to the blue line uh, same thing with Weatherby like he was making his way out of the zone and I don't understand why he stopped I mean in a way I do like maybe he's just trying to say the blue line in case Vlasic does make that poke check steal it away now we're talking a whole different you know uh, play right now he's a genius if he creates an offensive op- opportunity but didn't happen so yeah maybe another maybe another universe right uh, but maybe whether B was perhaps waiting for you know the offensive rush to begin but the, the problem with that is is the shark still had a tag up so it made absolutely zero sense to just stop and slowly stop skating and try to glide out of the zone you know hoping for the offense to get um, reestablished like everything about that play screamed defense and you know it became one zero uh, the second goal by James uh, Van Rijmsdijk was not as impressive, to be honest. Um, oh, let me just say this really quick. It's not Nieto or Weatherby's job, right, to be defensive-minded. That's what Vlasic's in there for. So, in the end, this is all on Vlasic. Uh, so, the second goal was not as impressive. Uh, it took a series of, like, lucky Philly bounces. Cam York of the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, most of you might know him as a 2019 first-round draft pick. He went 14th overall. Uh, he shot the puck at the point, only to change like directions a couple of times. It was practically blocked by Van Rijmsdyk, but somehow the puck found found its way to roll up off his stick onto the shoulder of Mar- of Mario Ferraro, uh, and then it finds its way in the back of the net. So, two goals, not so much you could throw on Hill, even though um, you know. It didn't feel as sexy at first, especially in that moment. You know, 0-0 game, and then the third period goes, and two goals in five minutes doesn't feel like that good. You might think it's all in the goalie, but if you really look at uh, how those goals occurred, lucky bounce and just being left alone. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So um, 2-0 right away. Looked like Martin Jones is about to get his revenge tour, then Tomas Hurdle, Timo Meyer, and uh, Brent Burns decided to take control of the game. And let's get to those moments because those are the ones that matter, right? Uh, Tomas Hurdle was fed the puck by Timo Meyer, who was fighting off a poke check. Or excuse me, fighting off a check. And uh, he was keeping the puck away on his stick with one hand in the face-off circle. I thought that was pretty dope. You know I mean? It's like, for those of you who play NHL 22, it's like holding the A button. Or if you're on PlayStation X, I play Xbox. Um, so he was fighting off the check, keeping the puck away from the defender. One hand on the stick gliding in the face-off circle and then with like laser precision he backhands the puck for a pass through the defense onto Tomas Hurdle's tape 
And uh, the one time by Hurdle with some extra swats to help that puck roll past uh, Jones makes it 2-1. to one. Uh, Hurdle's next goal started with Burns taking a pass from the point and then driving it into the slot, shooting his own backhander on the net. Um, I'm not too sure if that puck even made it there. All I know is that it found its way onto Tomas Hurdle's stick again, right at the top of the crease. And, um, you know, Tomas Hurdle with authority gave that puck a backhand and uh, tied the game. So that was uh, pretty pretty nice to see uh, those guys, those three guys step it up. So Timo Meyer got assists on both of uh, Tomas Hurdle's first two goals, as did Brent Burns. Uh, Brett Burns got an assist on all three goals, which was the overtime winner, uh, which didn't even take 30 seconds for the Sharks to win in overtime. They found themselves on a 2-0-1. Again, Hurdle and Meyer splitting the solo defender for a practical walk-in by both of the Sharks. <laughs> it was it was very um, very unfortunate situation for the defender being, but even more so is Hurdle snaps the shot and a slight tap off of Cam York's stick redirects Hurdle's initial shot, I believe five hole on Martin Jones, and that became the game-winning goal against the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, the Sharks had 47 shots on goal, so ironically, San Jose made Martin Jones endure another 40-plus save night. And, um, you know, kudos to, to Martin Jones, right? The guy faced 47 shots, and... Um, you know, two of them he was beat on cleanly. One of them, the game winning, the deciding one. You know, just sounds they got their own lucky bounce, I guess. So, anyways, uh, pretty sure this feels good for Aiden Hill. Uh, Aiden Hill is obviously supposed to be the guy who was going to initially replace Jones. Uh, for some of you who don't remember, we acquired Aiden Hill during um, the time when Martin Jones was still a part of the franchise. Um, we sent over a second round pick. In exchange for Aiden Hill with Yosef Koshinov, and uh, we acquired Hill with a seventh rounder from Arizona. Uh, so obviously Martin Jones was on the San Jose club before um, being released or being bought out when he was placed on waivers. So he already knew, which it didn't take any like you know like fortune t- telling or any like you know grand insight to really see that this was what was going to happen. But, you know, Jones knew that his tenure at San Jose was over um, prior to being released when Aiden Hill was acquired. Um, Aiden Hill looked really good early on in the game. He made quality kick saves, including one at a point-blank shot in the slot by James Van Rijmsdyk. That wasn't one of the goals, obviously. That happened in the first. And then another by uh, Joel Farabee, which... Hill slid his leg across the crease to the goalpost to shut down the Farabee opportunity. That happened pretty much because a shot went off the backboards and it bounced towards the net. Farabee was right there in the corner, almost like a wraparound attempt. And, um, you know, Hill fought that off, shut the door. So that was really good. Um, One of the things I do notice if I had to critique anything is that Hill definitely needs to improve his rebound control. He had to make a lot of saves, a lot of bigger saves than the initial one um, because he was just essentially like, you know, allowing these rebounds to find their way straight to the opponent's uh, stick. So that's definitely one thing we got to watch out for for Aiden Hill. Uh, The Sharks' power play continued to struggle. That's probably the only thing that was really 
a downer in this game outside of the fact that it took so long to score and again we had to come back from behind but um zero and two in philly and uh, we actually surrendered a shorthanded goal or excuse me not goal a shorthanded opportunity uh burns was swinging his stick around trying to poke check kind of like how someone does when they're in one's eliminator term <laughs> tournament in nhl 22 i'm gonna have a lot of video game references okay i'm a gamer I think I said in the last podcast. And um, he left Aiden Hill like literally on his back, literally just barely stopping the shorthanded breakaway chance. Um, Fairview put on some nifty moves and nearly undresses Hill. And he was somehow able to get his toe on the puck as he fell on his behind. <laughs> so uh, imagine if that uh, shorthanded opportunity was to uh, result in a goal. It would be a whole different uh, story, whole different feel. Uh, Burns, however, more than made up for it by having three assists on all of Hurdle's goals. Now with uh, 19 assists on the year, Timo Meyer, as I mentioned earlier, had his uh, two assists, bringing his uh, apple count to 24 on the season. And Hurdle scored his 18th, 19th, and 20th goals of the season all in a day. Uh, the three of them took control of the game and led the team to victory. And uh, Coach Bob Booner has some praise, saying it's nice to um, have – you know, your best guys essentially be the ones to, you know, decide the game and, you know, to step it up. It must be nice to be a coach to have those guys on your team to do that. You know, you know <laughs> I'm just saying. In the last podcast, uh, we we were talking about if he was on a hot seat. I still think he is. Well, technically, I don't, I don't really think he is. I think he's doing exactly what's expected of him. But um, it's funny how... When it's a loss, it's pretty much like these guys got this, these guys got that. And when it's a win, it's like, yeah, these guys, I don't know. I just don't know. I'm going to keep my two cents because we're, we're winning. We're in a two-game winning streak. Hopefully, we extend it to three games and more. Um, but honestly, if I was Bob Booner, I'd be happy. Like, like, thank goodness. Thank God for Tomas Hurdle, right? Thank goodness for Tomas Hurdle because um, – you know, I don't mean to discredit Burns and Meyer and their efforts, but uh, essentially, you know, Hurdle is the guy that carried that game. He put the Sharks on their back by getting the puck into the back of the net, and he got us the two points. So um, now I think that would be a good transition um, before we actually do transition to Tomas Hurdle. I have some stuff I would like to say about him and his contracts. Um, I want to take a look back really quick to the Sharks' power play because I know that's like a big point. As we mentioned, uh, the Sharks went 0-2. and two. The power play continues to struggle. Um, I took a look at the Sharks' power play from last season, and they totaled 22 power play goals on 156 chances, only taking advantage of 14% of the opportunities presented to them last season. All right. Uh, last season... That's 22 power play goals for the entire 56-game season. In 2022, after 36 games, the Sharks are 16.8% with 89 power play opportunities and 15 power play goals. You know, it's a slight, slight margin of improvement. So you could technically say the Sharks power play is improving, um, but it's not much for those who are Still weighing in on whether or not Rocky Thompson or uh, John Madden's system is, uh, you know, produ- producing better results on the power play. Okay, uh, one also honorable mention for the Barracuda: two things. Roy Summer reaches his 800th career win as an AHL coach. 
Roy Summer got his um, 800th career win in the American Hockey League as a head coach of the South Barracuda. And Sasha Chem. Sus, ooh, and Sasha Chemilvesky scores a hat trick with the Barracuda, which then made it the first time in franchise history, in San Jose franchise history, that both the Sharks and San Jose Barracuda record a hat trick on the same day. All right, there's a little unique fact for hockey fans in Shark City. Okay, Hurdle, Tomas Hurdle, the guy scores a hat trick, he doesn't have a contract. It's becoming painfully obvious that the Sharks are definitely interested in at least hearing or seeing any potential deals that may be thrown their way come the trade deadline. If you do not believe that the Sharks are going to part ways with Hurdle, it's okay. 77% of the Sharks fans out there that we surveyed on Instagram also feel that the San Jose Sharks are going to extend Tomas Hurdle's contract. I would love nothing more than to see Tomas Hurdle remain a San Jose Shark for his entire career or at least for a majority of it. But here is the reality of the situation. The San Jose Sharks are in a rebuild mode. They are entering a rebuild phase. They've been in a rebuild phase, I might say. Okay. Tomas Hurdle has went on record in the offseason prior to this 2021-2022 campaign stating that he wants to be in a position to win the Stanley Cup. He wants to win. Okay. Who doesn't? He also has stated that he is aware of how hard it is because he looks at the likes of, like, Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe. We could even say Pavelski, who's had one more opportunity than the Sharks have at hoisting the Stanley Cup. He got into the finals with the Dallas Stars during bubble hockey. Anyways, so Tomas Hurdle, and I don't mean this in any way because those are three legendary Hall of Fame hockey players. But Hurdle doesn't want to be like them. Hurdle doesn't want to be like these guys. I believe Pavelski's at uh, 36, maybe 37 at this point. And, you know, you have 41 year old or 42 year old Thornton and Marlowe. Okay? He doesn't want to be. At that stage in his career without having his name etched on the cup. He wants to be in a position to win. He also feels so committed or, you know, so committed to uh, wanting to be a champion that he also feels that in his desire to be a champion, that he can also do that by taking a pay cut. All right, those two points are important here. So he for the right team, he is willing to take a pay cut if they have a high chance of being a Stanley Cup contender. Okay? He also wants to be a place obviously um that feels like they want him there. That news kind of came out. Doug Wilson, general manager of the Sharks, tried to um, 
kind of like um, reassure everybody, including Tomas Hurdle himself, when he announced to the media saying that Tomas Hurdle knows exactly how the Sharks feel about him and that they've been in contract talks and that, you know, they're trying to get the deal done. What, what can that all mean? It can be, you know, it can be a multitude of things. I'm not going to speculate the uh, exact, you know, um, dialogue that may have occurred in those conversations because I don't even know where to begin. But I will, I do know as far as like the things that are going on in the franchise versus the things that Tomas Hurdle wants, they're, they're not compatible. They're exact, you know, they're exact opposites. And yeah, opposites do attract, but not in this situation, okay? Uh, Tomas Hurdle is due for about $8 million a year in a contract extension. All right. He wants to win a cup. The Sharks aren't doing so. He's willing to take a pay cut for the right team. He's not going to do it for the Sharks if we're not in a position to win the Stanley Cup. Obviously, he has said on record that he loves San Jose. This is his home. This is where he wants to get it done. I believe the guy. But I think the Sharks have to show him that they actually want to make a push for the cup and they don't want to rebuild. That kind of echoes what Eric Carlson has said last offseason when he was speaking about we got to find a way to get it done with the guys we have now. In other words, the veterans are not interested in essentially being a part of this rebuild that will be a process of having the roster be rejuvenated by the prospects, but essentially taking time to get back to where they feel they need to be to compete for a Stanley Cup. The veterans believe that they have the talent now. Tomas Hurdle, uh, after his postgame in Philly, said that they believe that they could come back against anybody, which is another way of saying that they believe that they could beat anybody, even if they go down on the uh, scoreboard. That they have the op- that they they feel that they could beat anyone, and that's what I like to hear. That's what I'm talking about, because too often out there, especially with like you know, um, journalists or you know, uh, media personalities, you you get a whole bunch of like, oh, um, rebuild the future, this, this and that, etc. So it's nice to hear that there are still people, especially those who are playing the freaking game for us, saying that they want to win now. But the fact that Hurdle has not signed a contract with San Jose yet is very telling. A lot of people like to um, talk about how things that are not said in the locker room or things that are said in the locker room, they kind of take it out of context and they try to say, this is very telling. You'll you'll see a lot of that in um, on social media amongst the Sharks fans community. But what you don't see is how telling it is when people are blatantly saying it. Like, hey, I'm willing to take a contract. I'm willing to take a pay cut to be on a team that's going to win a Stanley Cup. And the Sharks are like, oh, um, we're buying out Martin Jones. Uh, obviously, they're, they're trying to wash their hands with their Vander Kane contract. And, of, and of course, like, like clockwork, you're hearing how, hey, Eric Carlson and Logan Couture and all these other players really have bad contracts, right? Of course. Because that's what the Sharks are trying to do. They're trying to depart away from these big contracts as part of the rebuild process. So the reason I'm mentioning this is just to you know remind you that if they're trying to part ways with big contracts, why do you think the Sharks are going to try to offer Hurdle $8 million a year? Who knows? Maybe 
if the Sharks win in their um, arbitration process and um, they don't pay out or cash out Evander Kane, I personally think that Evander Kane is going to settle. I think the Sharks and Evander Kane are going to settle. I don't think he's going to get the full $24 million, but I'm pretty sure he's going to get some of his salary. That's just my opinion. And then, but we'll just for pure, you know, hypothetical um, discussion here. If the Sharks do find a way to wash their hands of the $22.9 million, then maybe they can offer that a hurdle. Maybe. I don't think so, personally. I think they're trying to, I mean, unless that, unless they're willing to commit to hurdle and say, listen, you are our franchise guy. You're the next in line to be captain, etc., etc. Then I think that he is on the block with the likes of Carlson and Couture. And if you don't think that they're going, you've been hearing the fan base talking about Carlson for the longest time. You've been hearing a lot of fan base talk about how this is being thrown on Couture, how he's not really a locker room presence. Um, some people even want to like scrutinize him for maybe some of his um, actions that occurred in the public that are related to some of his. Um, you know, political uh, ideology, which I'm never going to come down on to each their own. I'm not here to um, to uh, discriminate against, you know, oppose, opposing point of views or whatever. But I'm just simply trying to say is, you know, you see these guys with these big contracts and the storylines that are being, you know, pumped into the fan base. You know what's coming. They're getting us you know, ready to, like I mentioned in the past podcast, they're getting us prepared and ready for that time when the Sharks are deciding, you know what, that's it. The best way to start over is to eliminate all these quote-unquote bad contracts for stars, for star players, okay? I don't think, okay, see, see that? that's what kind of blows my mind too. Uh, maybe with Evander Kane, he might get signed at a discount price considering that I think he's looking for a one-year deal. But if you take Hurdle, Couture, Carlson, or any of, the, any of these other players that they call bad contracts on the Sharks. And if you put them in the uh, negotiation talks with other teams, they're going to be getting cashed out just about the same or within that ballpark with any other club because of their talent. So how are these bad contracts for the Sharks? I don't know. But the way I see it is if you want to keep premier hockey players on your club you they come with a price tag okay so for some of you out there you're like well the, the reason why we're doing this is because they're not producing okay fair argument and then that's where I go and I point back to who's the bench boss what's the game plan what's the strategy do we have anyone that is putting our guys in the best position to win these games or implementing a culture or a system to get these guys motivated to do such. Let's talk about the culture in San Jose. They were talking about Evander Kane being discussed amongst individuals in the locker room, but this is from Bob Bugner, but he did not, nor did anyone else in management specifically address what had happened with Evander Kane as a whole, as a team. Some people could read into that as saying they didn't care or maybe the locker room um, reports are true, whatever. Because some players don't want to make comment on it, etc., etc. The way I see it is two things. Number one, they're trying to just, you know, as as Logan Couture mentioned in the past, when it comes to the media in the locker room, he believes that the stuff that happens in the, me- uh, in the locker room belong and stay in the locker room is none of the media's business. 
And as far as uh, Bob Bugner with his comments on Evander Kane, which he has been the exact opposite. He had no problem commenting about Kane throughout the whole season. I don't know where he's at. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know these things. <laughs> That's kind of not what you want to hear from the guy who's supposed to be leading your club, right? You want to have a handle on everything, right? That's just my opinion. Anyways, um, so he's saying essentially that they didn't even address this guy being released. They're just kind of he's just kind of letting other players in the club. Now you could say, well, you know, that's what people should do. You should let the players talk about talk about it amongst themselves. But to me, that's a big significant indication of how there's a lack of culture. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna let the players take the lead on these things, which is cool. But I mean, I don't I don't know. If you understand what I'm trying to say, cool. If you completely disagree. Even better. Makes for good talk. And with that being said, at any time you would like to share your opinions or even join live in the conversation, visit our speak pipe. That's our podcast messaging service. And you could leave up to a five minute message sharing your takes on Sounds of Sharks hockey, whether it's uh, related to a game and the results or some of the latest news in Sharks territory, such as what we're discussing now. Uh, speakpipe.com forward slash Shark City Hockey. You can find a link in our social media bios at Shark City Hockey on Twitter, Instagram. Hit the link tree in the bio. Scroll down to the podcast messages tab. Leave us a message and join the conversation. So Tomas Hurdle. Okay, the guy wants to win the cup. The guy wants to feel like he is wanted by the club. Why would he not feel wanted by San Jose? Because he's pretty much saying, I want to win and I want to get paid what I deserve. I'm willing to take a pay cut if the team is going to be a Stanley Cup contender. But if he's going to say San Jose, I'm pretty sure he wants what he deserves. And um, the Sharks are pretty much saying, like, we're cutting deals with all of our big con- we're cutting off all of our big contracts we're reevaluating all these bad contracts that we have and we are rebuilding there's no there's never like the sentence and if it does happen this year awesome but you rarely ever hear a sentence being spoke that a real a rebuilding club wins the Stanley Cup you know what I'm saying <laughs> anyways uh, so that leads us to speculate where would be the best landing spots for Tomas Hurdle? Now, Bleacher Report came out with the article at the beginning of the season talking about four potential landing spots for Tomas Hurdle. And if you look at where they are in the standings today, it's obvious to make that. You know, I mean, you can make that statement at the beginning of the season, but if you want him, if you're going to follow what he's saying, pardon me, about what kind of club he wants to be on, a Stanley Cup contender then you have to kind of be where you're at now. Trade deadline on the horizon. And you have the chance to, you know, like, I mean, you you, you want to be on a chance to win the cup. So which team can you go to? Coincidentally, the four top landing spots that were in that article are all ranked four or higher. So in the Central Division, Colorado and Minnesota was mentioned as a spot for Tomas Hurdle to pursue his hockey career. The Colorado Avalanche are currently ranked number three in the Central Division, and the Minnesota Wild are right behind them at number four. The New York Rangers was another club speculated to be a landing spot 
New York Rangers are second overall right now in the Metropolitan Division. And preferably that's where he would go if if he does end up being traded because obviously you you do not want to face the guy in your conference or potentially have to face him in the playoffs, right? Send him to the Rangers. Send him to a place where we don't have to see him that often. Make it like a Joe Thornton, Joe Pavelski kind of deal. Was like, hey, we see you here and there, and then you know, we'll give you a little video tribute. Do not want to see this guy playing um, on a regular basis against the Sharks. The last spot, which I cannot tell if they're trying to troll Sharks fans or if it's a legitimate spot that he could land, is in Las Vegas, Nevada with the Vegas Golden Knights. The Vegas Golden Knights are number one in the Pacific Division. And I can't, I can't even begin to fathom what that would be like. I think when this news came out at the beginning of the season, we had done a picture on social media of Tomas Hurdle in a Vegas Knights uniform. Oh my goodness, the outcry was hilarious. People were pretty much like, delete this post. But um, we posted it to give you a legitimate look at what could be the future for one of our beloved hockey players. Uh, obviously, Sharks fans, if they had a say in the matter, the preference would be the Rangers. Uh, different conference, so don't have to worry about facing them in postseason, as I mentioned. Uh, that's if the Sharks even play in the playoffs, if they even could clinch a playoff berth. Uh, worst case scenario would be the, with Vegas. Worst case scenario is Ninja Hurdle becoming a Golden Knight. Uh, if he becomes a Golden Knight, we riot. Uh, so, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, 77% of you think that we will re-sign Tomas Hurdle, and I am right there with you. I hope we do so as well. His, I'm telling you, his stock is only rising. His trade value is going up, okay? Um, also, for those of you out there who said the reason why, you know, some of you were out there were trying to say that the, the, the beef out there, and this is not your fault. You were led to believe this, right? By all these leaks and by all these sources. Um, but some of you out there believe that Hurdle and Kane are kind of um, at odds with each other. You know, they have beef, as they would say, right? That the whole locker room dysfunction or the whole, um, you know, problem that's in the locker room may potentially be between Hurdle and Kane, right? Well, Kane is gone. So if the Sharks don't keep Tomas Hurdle now, you know, th- there you go in terms of that story. So we'll see what happens. Honestly, I obviously, honestly, I think that the Sharks want to keep Tomas Hurdle. Whether or not they're willing to pay him a contract that he's willing to accept is another story. And um, honestly, I think Hurdle wants to be in San Jose, but he wants to... I honestly think Hurdle wants to be in San Jose, but he wants to be sure that he's going to be signed up with a club that has the desire to win now. So if you listen to our past podcast, we broke down the rebuild the rebuild phase. Um, Sharks may not be able to start getting to that promise line unless they find themselves a coach that could do to do so. You know, get him there. I still believe, no matter what, no matter how I feel, no matter you know how pain, painstakingly obvious some of the situations and sounds they may be, I'm still a firm believer. You know, it ain't over till it's over, just like that hockey game in Philly. 
And um, I really hope that the San Jose Sharks could make the playoffs because if they do not make the playoffs, this will be three consecutive seasons. And nobody wants to see that. Anyways. All right, I'm about to wrap this up. Sharks are going to face off against Detroit Red Wings. And we'll be recapping that game on our next podcast. So until next time, stay up Sharks territory. Thank you for lending me your time. Uh, Be sure to check out the fan site at sharkcityhockey.com. You could find this podcast available on your favorite podcast platform and always at sharkcityhockey.com forward slash podcast. Follow us on social media and follow us uh, on Twitch and uh, YouTube as well. Uh, You all have a great uh, rest of your time and go Sharks.